Amen. Good morning, everybody. Today's passage is going to be, uh, again, from the book of Revelation, first chapter. This time we're going to read the first nine verses. Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. If you find it, would you please stand for reading God's word? All right. Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who were before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth. To him who loves us and who has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today, giving us this time together and giving us uh, another opportunity to study your word together and participate in corporate Worship, Lord, uh, as always, we're asking that you empower us, enable us to do what we do here as a true uh, act of worship in spirit and in truth. Lord, guide us as we consider your word, the, the things that you've given us here in writing. Guide us in our understanding, just as you've Uh, promise that you would guide us into all truth lord we're looking to you and to your indwelling spirit to open up our minds and hearts to what you have made known to us in your word lord we ask today that you give us a better understanding of you who you are and what you're about increase our vision of you and lord may it uh Consume us in that, in that our whole lives become about you and your purposes. Grow us in understanding. Grow us in grace. Strengthen us, Lord, for the days that lie ahead and even what we will face this day. Lord, may we grow in our dependence upon you as well. And may it all be for your glory and honor, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Be seated. Well, amen. Um, In the song we were singing earlier uh, together, the song Thank You, it has a line in there that says, All that you've done and all that you are is all that has carried me through. 
So um, that's, that's a good way of kind of summing up our theme for today. Um, um, what I want to talk about is uh, what I'm going to call truth for endurance. Now, I'm, I'm going to be try, or going, my, my intention will be to try to highlight this as much as I can as we move through because I, I, I believe it is emphasized uh, greatly uh, in the book itself, in the revelation itself. Um, and that is that this, this book is given to us for the purpose of strengthening us in tribulation that we face in this world. In fact, if, if you'll look with me for just a moment, uh, hold your place in Revelation because, uh, Lord willing, we will come back there. But John 16, John 16, <clears throat> we quote this often, but uh, let's just let our eyes fall on it today and... and uh, It'll help us in considering the text that we have before us. John sixteen thirty three. Jesus says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So, Jesus speaks, and of course he said much on the night before his betrayal uh, to his disciples. And he says, I've said these things to you so that you may have peace. But now, he doesn't, we're going to see in the, in the, uh, the verse here, um, he, he, he doesn't say that because there won't be any trouble. He's talking about peace in the midst of trouble. I've said these things, that in me you may have peace. And and by the way, too, notice it's in me. In me you may have peace. In the world you you will have tribulation. Now, he just lays that out as a fact. In the world you will have tribulation. That's the way that it is. Um, Often, uh, much is made about um, what we call the great tribulation period uh, at the very end of the last days. And and Lord willing, as we move through the book of, Revel- of Revelation, we'll, we'll have more opportunity to talk about that. But know this, and this is one of the things I'll be, when we, when we get to that point, or as we get to that point, and when we get to that point, that, that I'll, I'll be making this point probably repeatedly. The tribulation is now. All right, We're, we're in it. Now, it, it does seem that what Jesus talks about and, and uh, other places in the Scripture is, as well that there's going to be an intensification of tribulation at the very end. So it, get, it, it intensifies. And, and in fact, Jesus describes it um, using the analogy of a woman in childbirth. And what happens with a woman in childbirth? Well, the, the pains get more intense and they get more frequent. They get closer together. And so the tribulation grows in intensity and, and, and it just becomes... Um, uh, more frequent, but the tribulation is now. We shouldn't we shouldn't understand that as some far off event. So Jesus says, "In the world you will have tribulation." Talking to his disciples, but but I think by extension to all of us, all believers, in the world you will have tribulation. But he says, "Take heart, I have overcome the world." That's significant. Now, if you stood up and said that to me, just in your own name, or if I said that to you, take heart, I've overcome the world. <laughs> All right? 
Well, you, you know, you probably wouldn't find a great deal of comfort in that if I said that about myself. Uh, well, why should we find comfort in that when Jesus says that? And it's because of who He is, right? So, so He's up front and honest and forthright in telling us, you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have tribulation in the world. But nevertheless, in the midst of it, you can have peace. In fact, I'm telling you these things so that you'll have peace. And even be of good cheer. Which, and I don't think that means you have to uh, walk around with a mile-wide grin on your face and, and you know just all bubbly and everything. But... You do have a joy. We do have a joy about us because God is in control. All right? So, I think John 16:33 will kind of help us with what we're considering here. Let's go back to Revelation. And in fact, we want to keep that in mind as we go through the whole book because that's why it is given to us. And we'll see that again in a moment. So, let me start back with verse 1 and and uh, and then we'll work our way down to the passages that we're going to really zero in on, and again, um, what the Lord is giving us here in terms of truth for endurance, uh, truth for endurance. If you want to, kind of a long form of that, this is revealed truth. In other words, this is, these are things that God is making known to us that we would not otherwise know. Revealed truth given to us by God so that we may have strength or so that we may be strengthened to endure tribulation in this present world. Okay, verse 1. Just a little bit of recap. The revelation of Jesus Christ. Remember we talked about that last week. That, In fact, this is the title of the book, The Revelation. The Revelation. What is the revelation? Well, it is, it is something made known, simply. Something made known. In fact, you look in verse 1 and he says... Um, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John. So, so a revelation is something made known. And specifically, when we're thinking about biblical revelation, a revelation in a biblical sense, uh, it, is, it is something God has made known to us that we would not otherwise know. All the, all, the, all the schooling, public school, private school, even homeschooling, or even, or even college or uh, graduate school would not bring you to this knowledge. This is knowledge that you cannot otherwise know without God making it known. It's, as we talked about last week, it is divine disclosure. That's what revelation means. The revelation of Jesus Christ. And I... Last week, our main two points were it's a revelation of, uh, of events. In other words, God is making known events. And it's a revelation or a disclosure of a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. God is making known to us the person of Jesus Christ. The revelation of Jesus Christ. Um, and, and, and two, in verse 1, you could think of it this way. Um, you could think of it in terms of by Jesus Christ as well. In other words, it came, came from him. John received it from him. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John. And remember who John is. Um, there's good, strong um, 
evidence tra- traditionally. You know, the, the scripture. This is not in the scripture. Doesn't tell us uh, specifically what John this is, but but we have good uh, um, church tradition um, from early Christians that tells us this. This is the apostle John. This is the brother of James, um, who was known as the son of thunder. Jesus called him. And he's also the author of the Gospel of John and the three little letters that we call uh, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. So, same John. John, who bore witness, verse 2, who bore witness. Now, he, and, and by the way, this again, this is what, what the book is. This is John's testimony of the testimony of Jesus. So, you see that term witness? The idea there is testimony. John, who bore witness to the Word of God and to the testimony of Jesus. So, so John is here testifying, again, of the Word of God, truth. Truth that God has imparted to him. Specifically, um, regarding the Gospel. And, and here in Revelation, I mean, a lot of times when you see that term, uh, that phrase, the Word of God, it would be, it would be a way of referencing the Gospel. Uh, here in the book of Revelation, that it certainly uh, includes that, but also, it, you know, there's a specific reference here to that are things that are going, going to come to pass. So John says, John, who bore witness, testified, that is, to the Word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. You're, you and I are blessed today. We're blessed Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and those who hear. We're blessed by the giving of this revelation and even the, uh, uh, you know, rehearsing it again, reading it aloud and hearing it. Verse 4. Uh, and, oh, and by the way, verse 3 says, For the time is near. Verse 4. John to the seven churches. Now, here's, here's where we're coming into our, our text for today. And so I'm going I'm to start just by uh, focusing in here on John's greeting to the seven churches. So we've got a, um, a messenger sent. He's already identified himself as John. Um, we got that in verse uh, verse 1. We get that in verse 4. We get that in verse verse uh, 9. I, John. So John is the messenger um, sent by Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, to, I guess I should say this way, through whom Jesus Christ sends this message to uh, the churches, particularly here in verse four, the seven churches that are in Asia. So here's his his greeting, his his address. So here's here's first of all the messenger John. Second of all, the addressee. Who 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 is this going to? This revelation. Well, it's going to the seven churches that are in Asia, which he lists um, just a little bit further down, verse eleven. Write what you see in a book. Send it to the seven churches. Here they are, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamum, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. All right? And we'll, again, Lord willing, talk more about those as we move along because in chapters 2 and 3, we have a letter from the Lord to each one of these churches. All right? So, again, verse 4. John to the seven churches that are in Asia. Now, I should say this. I, I said last week, um, he's, he's addressing it to the seven churches, but by extension to us. 
And one reason I say that is this, because, um, well, obviously one reason is because we have it in our hand by the providence of God, right? He made sure that we got it <laughs> down through the ages. But one reason is this, too. That, as you know, the, the Revelation uses a lot of symbolism, and, uh, and, and I think that is already coming into play here. Um, so let me, let me say it this way and try to be clear. The, the seven churches were seven real historic congregations. I mean, they actually existed. This is not made up like, like just an allegory. They actually existed. The church at Ephesus, the church at Smyrna, these were congregations. Congregation at Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. So this was, this was, just as it says, was literally given by the Lord Jesus Christ through an angel to John to the messengers of the seven churches for the seven churches in Asia, which are listed in verse 11. But at the same time, and here's where I think symbolism comes into play. Um, this, this number seven is a, is a favorite of John's, and it usually um, seems to represent something like completion or perfection, right? So I think the idea here is um, these seven churches in Asia in some sense, and we'll be able to talk more about that as we go, but they represent the church as a whole. So the seven churches meaning the, the fullness of the church. All right? So, so in other words, again, it is, it's for all of us. It's addressed to all of us. And as we go through the letters to each one of these churches, we'll be able to see easily how, how these things um, that they were dealing with um, are... are similar to the things that we deal with, and, and uh, uh, you, you'll see that, you know, it's, it's relevant for our age as well as, as theirs. Um, and just to kind of give you a little more support for that, the idea that the term seven is, is uh, used symbolically and represents completion or, or uh, fullness, um, you've got, as I just mentioned, the seven letters in chapters two and three, the seven seals, seven seals that that bound the, or, or sealed the scroll that was given to Jesus. Um, the seven seals are, are uh, opened in chapters uh, 5 through 8, or actually 5, 1 through 8 and 1. So five, chapters 5, 6, 7, all of that covers the opening of the seven seals. And then you've got the seven trumpets, chapters um, 8, 2 through eleven nineteen, And then the seven Bowls, and by the way, these are um, uh, instances of God pouring out His wrath in, uh, in final judgment. The seven bowls, chapters 15, 1 through 16, verse 21. And also, in the book, and I'll give you the verses here if you want to jot them down, but there are seven Beatitudes, just like we just saw in verse 3. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear. That, that occurs seven times. Chapter 1, verse 3. Chapter 14, verse 13. Chapter 16, verse 15. Chapter 19, verse 5. Chapter 20, verse 6. Chapter 22, verse 7. And chapter uh, 22, verse 14. And you have other instances too. I mean, that, that's not an exhaustive list I just gave you. There are other instances too, like, the, for example, the dragon having seven heads. So um, it's, the, the number represents 
completion or perfection or something. Uh, you know, that something along that idea. And I think that's what we have here in verse 4. So, yes, it's to seven literal historical congregations, but at the same time, uh, this is a way of saying this is to, the, to all of the church. To all of the church. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia. Now, here's his desire for them. Grace to you and peace. Grace to you and peace. There again, that is a very common um, form of, of Christian greeting in the first century. And, and I'm going to move through this list a little quicker, but just to give you an idea how often it, it occurs. Romans 1.7, 1 Corinthians 1.3, 2 Corinthians 1.2, Galatians 1.3, Ephesians 1.2, Philippians 1.2, Colossians 1.2, 1 Thessalonians 1.1, 1, 2 Thessalonians 1.2, Philemon 1.3, 1 Peter 1.2, and 2 Peter 1.2. All of those open up that way. Grace to you, grace and peace to you. So it's a very common uh, Christian um, form of greeting. But at the same time, it's not, uh, it's not just an empty, you know, traditional saying. Like sometimes we may have a tendency to, you know, have a nice day when we... <laughs> We're not really thinking or whatever. But but this is an honest, prayerful desire for these churches and for us. It's a it's a it's a in a sense a prayer. I mean he's expressing John just like Paul does, just like Peter does. He's he's expressing his desire for them to experience God's grace and peace. What an awesome uh, really blessing to to put on each other, you know, grace to you, grace to you, and peace. And it's a sincere desire. And one reason I, I I believe that is because of the rest of this book. In other words, John understands that what Jesus is doing is giving information to the church that will be a means of grace for us and a means of bringing peace to us as we encounter um, difficulties in this in this life as we live through tribulation why because Jesus said in the world you will have tribulation it's the same word tribulation but be of good cheer let your heart be comforted. Be at peace because I've overcome the world. So, so this is a real desire of John. It's a prayerful desire. Grace to you and peace. Why? Because if you're not in trouble now, you will be. If you're not in trouble now, you will be. And anybody that is has the least bit of awareness of what's going on in our country today and in the world today um, ought to have some sense of that. Because there are things happening and things happening rapidly that are going to, to have very, very serious consequences for the church of Jesus Christ. So we, we need, um, I mean, take, take heed when I say, we need the message of this book. Grace to you 
to endure the tribulation that lies ahead. Or, as a, you know, some of us are tribulating now, right? But if you're not, you will, and you need grace. Grace to you for the tribulation you are enduring and that you will endure. And peace, peace to you. And that is such a more powerful word than we tend to, to think of. A lot of times when we think of peace, um, really, uh, and I'm not just trying to sound flippant here, but, but, it's, but we, we think in terms of pretty much everything going our way. And like I say, I'm not just meaning to sound flippant, but, I, but we have this idea that if circumstances are right, then I will have peace. You know, in other words, if there's no storm, there's peace. But what we find in, in, in the Bible is, is that there can be peace in the storm. Remember, for example, remember when the disciples were caught in the storm and they are, of course, um, panicking and, 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 and all. But what is Jesus doing? In one instance, he's sleeping, right? Sleeping. I mean, they had to wake him up. <laughs> Perfect peace in the midst of a storm. And when he came to them uh, another time, when he came to them walking on the water, they were crying out, you know, and he spoke to them before he did calm the storm. But before he calmed the storm, he spoke to them saying, fear not. All right? In the midst of the storm, he spoke saying, fear not, it is I. So he spoke peace to them in the storm. And it's the Old, it's the old um, Testament uh, or, or I should say the Hebrew, the Hebrew idea of shalom. Shalom, which, which doesn't just mean, uh, you know, everything going your way, but it's, it's the idea of total well, and it doesn't just mean, you know, like having peace of mind. Sometimes when, when people say they have peace of mind, you know, um, they need to wake up. I mean, because the world, the, you know, the, 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 the house is falling in on top of them, and they're saying, uh, you know, I'm at peace. Um <laughs> And they don't mean it in the biblical way. Sometimes they think they do. We think we do. Um, but shalom is well-being. And of course, that means first and foremost, peace with God. Peace with God. It's what Paul's talking about in Romans 5.1, by the way. Having been justified, we now have peace with God. He doesn't mean a, a, a good serene feeling. He means we're not at war with God anymore. We're not, we're not under the wrath of God anymore. No longer children of, God, children of wrath. We're now children of God. Having been justified by faith in Jesus Christ, we have peace, alright? So, that's what John desires for his, for his hearers and readers. Uh, for those who hear and, and read this revelation, this prophecy... Grace and peace. So to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from Him who is and who was and who is to come. Now, a few things here that I, that I want to mention um, in terms of um, God. Because this, this is where the grace comes from, the peace comes from. This is where the strength for endurance comes from. It comes from knowing who God is, and knowing Him, right? 
Knowing who He is and knowing Him. Alright, so we, we get some, um, some great um, insight to that here. Just in some things that are said that we, we can easily pass over, but, but, they, but they actually have um, meaning that, is, that we need. Alright, so again, look at verse 4. John to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from Him. Peace from Him who is and who was, and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before His throne, number seven again, pay attention to that, and we'll come back to that in a moment. The the seven spirits who are before His throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings on earth. Now, I'll probably move through verses four and five kind of quickly, because we did discuss this some last week. Uh, so I just want to reiterate. But what John is, is doing here is, is trying to get our focus on God. Get our, our sights lifted up from the tribulation to the source of grace and peace and eternal reward. So he says, grace and peace to you from Him who is and who was and who is to come from the seven spirits and from Jesus Christ. Now, what we've got here, and I mentioned this last week, but it seems to me a, a, to be a reference to the Trinity. God the Father, and in the middle, God the Son, I mean, God the Spirit, rather, and then God the Son, Jesus. So, God the Father, Him who is and who was and who is to come. I'll come back to that when we get down to uh, verse seven, uh, 6 or 7. Um, but uh, let me just say this about it here now. The, 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 it, it, it is talking about the eternality of God. So, so John says, grace to you and peace from the eternal God, the one who is, that is, He is now. He is, in fact, um, to kind of transliterate it, you know, say it in a wooden way, um, he, he, the, one, the one who is now being, he is being now. <laughs> John says, grace to you and peace from the one being. And by the way, he's the one being in the sense we're talking about now, but he's also the one in, in the sense of the only one being um, in terms of true being. Um, you know, R.C. Sproul likes to say, you know, God is the only true being. Human beings are becoming that's because we're always in flux. We're always changing. You don't believe it? Look in the mirror. I mean, find, find a picture that's a few years old and look at that and then look at the, in the mirror. And, you know, we, we're, we're born and we're, we, we go through these d- developments where we're growing and it seems like we're uh, on the plus side. I mean, you know, we're, in other words, it seems like we're getting better. You know, it's kind of like Steve Austin, faster, stronger, better, you know. But then something happens... And then, and then this, the decay becomes obvious. You know, over time we're we're degenerating, but we're never just being. We're always becoming, becoming older, stronger, faster, better, or becoming older and you know weaker and slower and so forth. Always becoming. And I think really it'd be right to say, really, from, from the moment we're conceived, we're pretty much dying. 
even though we're going to go through this process of physical growth, the reality is, from the, from the very start, we're, we're dying physically. So, we're always becoming. But God never is. He, he is being in the truest sense. I am God. I am the Lord. I change not, He says. In Malachi, and then the writer of Hebrews says of Jesus Christ, He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Right? So, God is true being. He's the one being, and He's the one who was. Grace and peace from Him who is and who was. And again, in the idea is there, he, He's past, but always. He, he was being. I always think of John 1.1. 1, 1. Uh, in the beginning was the Word. In the beginning, He already was, okay? He was. When everything else came into being, He already was. So, grace and peace to you from, from the One who is being, from the One who was being, and from the One who is to come. And it's a present tense, so it, uh, it, you could even think of it in terms of um, now. He, that is, He's coming. It's like He's... He's, it's like you think of somebody that is, is coming to your house maybe for a visit and they've already left. So you say, they're coming. They're coming. He's coming now. He, he is, He was, and He is to come. So, so the, the present, the past, and the future, God is always there. Grace and peace from Him. And from the seven spirits. Again, I think the number here carries the idea, it, it symbolizes perfection. So I think what we're talking about here is, is a representation of the Holy Spirit. The one, the Holy Spirit of God. But again, the, the, the seven is used here um, to represent His perfection, His holiness, His completeness. The seven spirits who are before His throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful Witness. Now, remember, John is bearing testimony to the testimony of Christ, so he says here that Jesus Christ is the faithful witness. He doesn't, he doesn't bear falsehood. He bears the truth. Not false witness, but truth. So, grace and peace to you from the Father, the One who is, who was, and is to come, and from the Holy Spirit, the seven spirits who are before His throne, and from... The Son, Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings on the earth. Now, the kings on earth. Now, I, I said we, we talked about that last week, so I won't spend more time on it here now, except just to re- remind you what, what is being um, highlighted there is His supremacy. Firstborn, that's the idea of supremacy. The preeminent one. He's the firstborn out from the dead, and He's the ruler of kings on earth. In other words, He's the preeminent one in terms of the resurrection of the dead, and He's the preeminent one or the supreme one in terms of kings on the earth. He is over them all. And I know you look around you right now and you say, it sure doesn't seem that way. What about, what about Putin? He's pretty much doing what he wants. Is, is Jesus over him? Yes, Jesus is over him. 
What about some of these, these Muslim leaders who are, who are um, harassing people and, and murdering people and doing what they want? Is Jesus over them? Yes. He is the ruler, the preeminent, the supreme ruler of kings on earth. And that's one reason this is, again, being pointed out here is because it is, it is needed. Understanding of this is needed in order for us to have peace in tribulation. In order for us to endure in tribulation. That God is, always was, always will be. And that Christ is supreme ruler over all the earth. Now, this is what happens a lot of times when you talk about those things. <laughs> the, the rest of verse 5, and verse 6, and verse 7, John, and, and this is characteristic of Paul. We see this a lot with Paul. But, but John just breaks into doxology here. You know what doxology is? It's essentially just praise. Because, because here he is talking about the supremacy and sovereignty and eternality of God. And what else can you do but just, but just start praising Him? So here's the doxology. To Him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by His blood and made us a kingdom, priest to His God and Father, to Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. That's doxology. To Him be glory forever and ever. Amen. So be it. Amen. So the Hebrew word uh, just means truly or, or so be it. May it be so. Amen. A lot of times, and we use that as, uh, as an ending like John does here. You see that in verse 6. You see it again in verse 7. Even so. Amen. In other words, let it be. May it be done. Jesus, often Jesus would say things and He would put it at the front. Amen, amen, I say to you. And He would use it to highlight what He was about to say. In other words, this is, this is true. true. In fact, it usually translated verily, verily, or truly, truly. Truly, truly, I say to you. Amen, amen, I say to you. He's the faithful witness. What we're hearing is truth. Alright? So, all glory, dominion be to Him. Now, look at the way He describes Him, though. All right, now here we go again. This, okay, this is truth, truth for endurance. In other words, these are things that we need to know about God and about Christ to strengthen us to endure tribulation in this world. And, you know, in my mind this morning, of course, obviously, is, uh, I mentioned earlier about a lot of things that are going on in the world. So, so my mind, you know, is just kind of automatically going to tribulation in the terms of, uh, of persecution. But, 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 you know, know here, and that's why I'm taking a second to stop and say this, know here that much more than that's included. So, I mean, just hardship, trouble. In the world, you have trouble. In the world, you have tribulation. Because, that's because in the world, there's sickness, right? Disease. There's death. In the world, there's cheating. There's injustice, right? And these are things that, that, we, that we have to deal with and go through in this world. In the world, you have tribulation. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So these things are given to us as truth. They are true, and especially the, the things that we're going to consider here in a moment about God. It's truth to strengthen us to endure. We need to know 
who's in charge. Listen, it's, it's one thing to say it. It's, it's one thing for me to call myself a Christian and say, <clears throat> that means I, I believe God's in charge. Jesus is Lord. That's a very powerful statement, by the way. But just because you say it doesn't mean that you actually understand it or believe it. It's one thing to say, you know, I'm a Calvinist. I believe that God's predetermined everything. It's another thing to believe that. I mean, are, are, you, a, are you a Calvinist by confession? Or are you a Calvinist practically? Am I a Christian by profession? Living like a practical atheist? Do I believe that God is in control? And so these things are given to us to, to sure us up, to strengthen us for endurance so that we don't just profess these things and then wilt when tribulation comes so that we profess these things and actually stand on them. And by the way, when I say wilt, I mean actually, actually wilt, die, fall away. I, I don't mean just um, like be a, be a, have some fear of something. I think that's, for the most part, it's not impossible to not have fear of certain things, but, but, but it's, it's pretty common to. And just the other day, a <clears throat> brother was telling me about it. He just, he'd just gone through a bout with cancer, and, and he, he, he was, when he's telling me this, he was kind of thinking out loud, at the, if you know what I mean, at the same time. And he was saying, I, I know I trust God. I know I trust God, but he said, but I got kind of shaky. Well, hey. Uh, we're 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 in the flesh, and we're we are imperfect, um, and so that those that's going to happen. Um, but uh, so so I'm not when I say wilt, I'm not just talking about that. Obviously, some things um, when we think about or when we face them are are, are very unpleasant, scary, uh, and so forth. Um, but even in light of all that, there is grace available for peace and grace for endurance. I mean, if you, didn't, if, you, if you were never afraid, if you were never weak, you would not need God's grace. We are weak, and so we do need His grace. All right, so He's giving it. Here He is. He's giving it to us through, through revealing these things. All right, real quickly here in the little bit of time we have left here. To Him, first He's talking about the Lord Jesus here, obviously. To Him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by His blood and made us a kingdom, priest to His God and Father. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So, so, so look at this. He says, and He gives us something... Um, First of all, present again, present and then past. To him who loves us. Look, this this one whom he just whom you know he just broke into doxology over. To him be glory and dominion, right? Forever and ever. He's talking about the same one. And he says, He He loves us. To him who loves us. And, and this is, again, the present tense. He's, he's loving us now. You say, well, if He loved me, why would I be going through the things I'm going through? Well, 
Um, I don't I don't think we can always answer exactly uh, with specifics why we go through the things we go through. We we know the ultimate end. The ultimate end is for our own good and for His glory. But I can say this. The, the fact that, that you or I or anybody else, the fact that we're going through trouble is not an indication that He does not love us. In fact, it's very likely just the opposite. He chastens those whom He loves. The term chasten there has to do with training. It's like you train an athlete to make them stronger. It's not to... Not to beat them down or break them down. You train them to make them stronger. He chastens those whom He loves. He loves us. That, that's a truth that we need to know to endure. And, and it's not past. He loved us. No, it's present. He loves us. To Him who loves us and, now this is past, has freed us from our sins by His blood. Freed us from our sins by His blood. Did Christ free us from our sins? Well, if you're in Christ, if if you're born again, if you're a Christian, you are freed from your sin. Now, think about the one incident where Jesus comes to the... uh, lame man, and, and he says, um, your sins are forgiven. And he knows that there are scoffers. They're thinking, oh, man. Uh, well, that's easy to say. You know, because there's no evidence that it really happens. <clears throat> so Jesus raises a question. Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or rise, take up your bed, and walk? And then he says, so that you may, so that you may know that the Son of Man has power to forgive sins. And then he said to the lame man, Rise, take up your bed and walk. And he got up and took up his bed and walked. And they couldn't deny that. And, and the idea was, if, if I can do this, which you see right before your eyes and you cannot deny, and then that should, that, you know, that, that, um, should, should vouch for my credibility that when I say your sins are forgiven, your sins are forgiven. But let me just kind of turn that around for a minute. Because really... If you, if you kind of think about it, it, would, it, to actually do it, wouldn't it be harder to forgive sins? I mean, if you just think of accomplishing the two things, seems like it would be. Seems like a logical thing to say, think. What I'm saying is this. If Christ has power to forgive us of our sins, which He's done, He freed us, then does He not have the power and the grace to sustain us? He does. He does. So this is, this is truth we need to know. He loves us and He has freed us from our sins by His blood. That is, He didn't spare anything. In fact, Paul says God didn't even spare His own Son, right? He laid down His life for us. He loves us and He has freed us by His blood. The, the term blood there, by His blood, is a metaphor. just referring to His death. His sacrificial death. He freed us by His death. He gave His life for us. That is true. He loves us. That's, that's truth for endurance. He has given His life for us, freeing us from our sins. That is truth 
for endurance. Those things we need to know to endure hardship in this world. And He made us a kingdom. He made us a kingdom, believers. We are a kingdom and we are priests to His God and Father. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. And again, notice in the doxology there, um, He's acknowledging His, His dominion and He says, let it be forever. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Christ's dominion, Christ's power supersedes all. So regardless of what's going on in the world, Christ reigns forever. He is the ruler of kings on earth, the firstborn from among the dead. Behold, verse 7, He is coming with the clouds and every eye will see Him. Here's another one. Truth to strengthen us in tribulation. He is coming. He's coming. He's coming again. You, you look at the injustice in the world now, or the immorality, and it's, and it's easy. It, I mean, if we just keep our sights low, it's easy to get frustrated and discouraged, isn't it? And you can relate to the psalmist, say so often, you know, uh, about being scoffed at. Where is their God? So remember, (laughs) He's coming. He's in total control. He's the one being, the one who is, the one who was, and the one who is to come. He's the the one preeminent one over the kings of the earth. And He's coming. He's coming and He's bringing retribution. He's coming to exercise justice. He's coming to pour out His wrath on this world. We don't get into that in today's text, but it's later in the book. He's coming to pour out His wrath. Vengeance. Remember the the, the passage, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Well, that's what He's referring to. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming in the clouds, bringing judgment. Everything here, here's just kind of the idea behind that. What we endure here, everything here is temporary. It's temporary. But His rule and His dominion is forever. And He's coming, and He's coming to establish it. He's coming with the clouds, and every eye will see Him. Now, people everywhere, you know, deny Him. They will not be able to when He comes. Every eye will see Him. Even those who pierced Him and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of Him. And John says, even so, Amen. Let it be. Let it be. Let it be so. This is true. Notice verse 9, and we'll close. I, John, your brother and partner. That that word just means sharer, um, participator. So so John's letting us know he's he's one of us. He's he's, um, a sharer in what we go through. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the endurance, the patient endurance that are in Jesus was on the island called Patmos on account of the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Been there, done that. What John is essentially saying, I may share with you in the tribulation. As a matter of fact, I'm on the Isle of Patmos for the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus. He's being persecuted for the gospel. 
and for testifying to the testimony of Jesus. In the world, you have tribulation. Even if you're an apostle, you have tribulation in the world. Even if you're not an apostle, you might say, well, that, that was for them. You know, they had a special call. No, Jesus says to us all, in the world, you have tribulation. But look, Jesus said, I've told you these things so that you may have peace. So that you'll be at peace. When, when nation rises against nation and kingdom against kingdom, when the seas, sea and the waves are roaring, as he describes, men's hearts failing them for fear, when all of these things are coming down, wars and rumors of wars, famines, pestilence, earthquakes in various places, when all of these things are coming down, when, when they are beheading people because they believe on Christ and refuse to deny Him, when they're selling women and children as slaves, when the world seems like it's spinning out of control, He says, look, I'm telling you these things so that you have peace. Because in the world, you have tribulation. But be of good cheer, for I've overcome the world. That makes a difference, doesn't it, if He is King of kings and Lord of lords. If He is the one who is and who was and who is to come. If He is the one coming to bring justice and wrath on the unrighteous and reward to believers, then when He says, I've told you these things so that you have peace, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. It really means something, doesn't it? Would you stand, please? Let's pray and we'll dismiss. <clears throat> Father, we are so thankful that we can, we can say and know that You are in control. In control of things going, in, going on in, in, in the world, some, some things half a world away from us, and in control of things going on in our sphere in our life. Not even a sparrow falls to the ground apart from Your will. You are the One who is and who was and who is to come. The Almighty. And we do need to grasp that and grow in understanding in those truths, in order to persevere in this world. So we're thankful today for Your grace that provides these truths and that brings them uh, to us and makes application to our own hearts. So whatever is in store for us in this world, Father, we pray, help us to run this race with our eyes set on Jesus trusting totally in You, not counting our own lives dear, but, but living, giving over to living for Your honor and glory. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.